welcome to AIJ Cast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthame Sanders. On this episode, part one of our conversation with Carlos Barbosa. Carlos is a slam poet and spoken word artist, and we got a chance to talk in the AIJ Cast studio. Carlos Barbosa, welcome to AIJ Cast. Thanks for having me here. I'm super glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, let's get down to it. Let's talk about your art. You're you're a slam poet. Yes, slam poet, spoken word artist. What does that mean for people who might not be familiar with it? Uh, slam poetry is just a fancy way of saying uh, performing poetry. Okay. And uh, embodying what it is to do poetry versus what you would see on the written page. Written page, yeah. Well, and give us break that down a little bit more. So there's the written page, there's poetry that we might were raised with in school probably in English classes and things like that. And then slam poetry is about performance, spoken word. Yeah, slam poetry is more about uh connecting with the audience okay. while you're on the stage. Okay. So it might not be as uh eloquent or uh, in the same format as written poetry, mm-hmm. but it's definitely meant to be more personal and to connect and to make you feel something Yeah, uh, more than anything else. A lot of people would connect spoken word or slam poetry with hip hop. Is that very wh- similar? Yes. What, what, what is the similarity? What is the difference there for you? Uh, I think the, the similarity, a lot of it is uh, subject matter. I think um, hip hop came about as this, uh, revolutionary type of music that was so anti-establishment right. uh, and against uh, some of the worst parts of our government. And I think slam poetry today embodies a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's anti-establishment. It's, it's speaking for the margins with the margins from the margins, etc. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how'd you get into it? Uh, I used to just write poetry yeah. uh, for a long time. And a few friends said it was good. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so what, what was it about poetry that you were like, I, I got to do this. I got to write some poetry. Uh, I think the biggest thing about it was that uh, it helps me express myself in okay. a way where uh, I write for me. Yeah. Uh, more than anything else. Right. And so uh, you hear a lot of artists and you relate to what they say. And for a while, there was no one saying what I needed to hear. Mm. And so I started writing stuff that I would like to hear. Uh, and people connected with it. What, uh, what, what did you need to hear that you weren't hearing? Uh, there were a lot of, uh, struggles with my identity yeah. as, uh, being a, uh, Mexican American first generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a lot of issues with who I was, what that meant, uh, which parts of me were American, which parts of me were Mexican, mm-hmm. how to carry the culture and still be who I am. Right. And I started looking up venues in Atlanta, uh, for open mics uh, and I found uh, Java Monkey. Yeah. Uh, Decatur. Yes. Decatur goes by Java Speaks now. Yeah. Uh, and it was the only free one okay. <laughs> that I found okay. online. So I was like, hey, I have nothing to lose. Yeah. Uh, started going there about three years ago now hmm. uh, and haven't looked back since. Yeah. It's been an amazing journey. And after you mentioned you mentioned this is now Java Speaks. So the, the, the place had a fire and is closed, but the the... Spoken word, slam poetry part is, is still living. The, the building burned down. The community is not. We have been yeah. moving from place to place, but we have a new home now at the Pinewood Indicator. Yeah. And so community is still going very yeah. strong. So I know that I've seen some stuff online. You talk about using Spanglish in your <laughs> in your spoken word. Is that part, part of that identity? There's obviously more to it than that. Uh, definitely, 100%. I think uh, more than anything, a lot of uh, people who are here of Latin descent... 
uh, speak Spanish, but they don't use it as much. Sure. And so Spanglish becomes the more norm. Yeah. Amongst people uh, my age, my friends. Uh, and so I try to incorporate that into my poetry. Because sure. everything I write, I want it to be very genuine, very honest, and very me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's exactly what you're talking about in terms of, you know, you weren't seeing poetry, you weren't hearing poetry that spoke to you in a way, so you had to create it. And that that speaks to themes, but also it speaks to a specific use of language, right? Yes. A very particular <laughs> cultural context of language, of Spanish and English used together and crossing over each other in really creative, interesting ways. Yeah. I, uh, there was actually a moment when I was going to Java, uh, before I started doing really heavy, uh, uh, identity pieces with Spanglish where someone else actually, who wasn't, uh, uh, Latino doing poetry with some Spanish in it. Uh -huh. And I had a group of friends there and I had never seen them react to poetry more than they had to that person. Interesting. Because it was like someone was finally speaking to them wow. for them. Uh, and that really inspired me to like do that as well. It was like people were waiting for this to happen exactly. and finally it happened. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about some of the, the groups you're involved in. So you're on the board of Artemok. Yes, I am on the board of Artemok, uh, which is a slam team that performs out of Red Light Cafe Yeah. Uh, in Atlanta on Amsterdam Avenue. Mm -hmm. uh, it was founded a while ago by uh, <laughs> Teresa Davis, uh, Karen G, two big members of the community. Uh, and we are one of two slam teams now in Atlanta mm. that competes. Mm. Uh, we are sending a team to uh, nationals in Dallas in okay. August. What is Artemok's a niche? Uh, so they were created by a team of all femmes, yeah. uh, queer women and women of color. Huh. Uh, and that was initially what it was, uh, a platform for their voices. Uh, and while it's changed and it's opened up a bit more, it's still very much a place for those kind of voices. That's where that identity is grounded, kind yes. of. Yeah. So, so it may be expansive beyond that, but that really is its roots and its mm. foundation. It, yeah. it speaks to a lot of people. Um, yeah. And it's very inclusive and very warm uh, and just embodies the sense of community. It's interesting to me because I, I, it strikes me as you talk about Artemuk and that kind of I, that founding identity, even as it has become... I don't know what the right word is, but more expansive in, in its in its representation, that that foundation is still critical. And you talk about you creating these spoken word pieces that were for you, writing for yourself, mm -hmm. right? There's something really core about speaking authenticity to self that then suddenly connects with other people in ways, even though that's not the intent. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Wait, I, I don't know what that is. That's really, It's an interesting <laughs> dynamic, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's what we do a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, most, the best art comes from something beyond us that we might not be able to put our fingers on, but it also comes from something deeply personal within us. And the best art that is deeply personal connects with people who have their own deeply personal realities. I, I was told once when I was younger that there's only uh, two kinds of poetry, uh, and it's good poetry and honest poetry. Uh, and um, eventually you learn that the best poetry is honest poetry. Wow. wow. Uh, just a very genuine sense of self, because people, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're speaking about, uh, people will relate. And that's yeah. an amazing thing. And I think that's why I'm still so heavily involved with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about Java Speaks. Tell us about Java Speaks. Uh, Java Speaks is going, it's the longest running open mic in Atlanta. This year it will be 19 years old. Wow. Uh, I started going there three years ago, uh, and it's been probably one of the best experiences of my life ever since. 
I was on the JavaSpeak Slam team uh, last uh, summer, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just another, you know, it's groundbreaking experience after groundbreaking experience each mm-hmm. and every time. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that attracts, the art that it creates, uh, it's just like no other. Yeah, 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 yeah. What what does slam or spoken word competition look like? That's an interesting <laughs> idea. Uh, it's a it's a lot of poets in very small rooms. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's a it's a, it's very interesting. Yeah. You have a bunch of people uh, again in these small rooms uh, doing very deep and personal poetry. Yeah, uh, and having poor you know unfortunate people come off the streets to judge these competitions uh and uh it's fun more than anything else i think yeah uh there's definitely you know competitiveness to it and people take it very seriously but also it's just so much fun to connect with other poets it's so interesting to me because that one of the art forms that i participate in is uh um uh, improv comedy Mm. and improv comedy is all about trust and you know supporting each other and then they have these improv uh, tournaments and i'm like (laughs) <laughs> that's like the exact opposite of what we're supposed to be. And it, and it sound similar in the sense of like, uh, you know, that there you've, you've talked, you've used the word community a lot mm-hmm. in talking about these, these teams, right? So community is a critical part of it. And yet here's this place where this almost <laughs> artifice of competition yeah. comes about. I don't, I, so help me, help me kind of understand that dynamic. So I think the, the part that people get confused about a lot is the competition. Yeah. And there's definitely people in the scenes who get, um, very mixed up with it and get very, you know, obsessed with competing and being right. the best. Right. Uh, but we like to say the slam is a vehicle. Okay. Uh, you use it to get to where else you want to go. Slam yeah. should not be your end goal. Yeah. Uh, you use these things for opportunities to get on podcasts like this <laughs> or doing other shows. Uh, so it's a, it, it's a fun world, but it can be dangerous depending on how you navigate it so it really is almost like an artifice it's an excuse to get together and to build community and then there's some people who kind of get caught up in the do i have enough trophies yeah 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 uh but definitely it builds uh between scenes it builds uh community as well Uh, it promotes excellence too of course yeah too yeah yeah. Uh, steel sharp and steel. I always believe. Yeah, so absolutely. Absolutely. Being in a room with talented poets from, you know, New York, LA, Texas, yeah. always is going to make you want to do better and represent your scene better. Carlos Barbosa on AIJ cast. We'll be back with more of our conversation in just a moment, but first a quick word. As always, I encourage you to visit the AIJ cast website, AIJcast.com, which is where you'll find links to our artists, including their news events and products. I do want to highlight one particular event for you. The Theopoetics Conference is taking place in March, March 20th to 22nd in Chicago. Theopoetics is a discipline that works at similar intersections to AIJCast, particularly at the intersection of art and religion and culture. You can find out more information about the Theopoetics Conference as well as many other events at our website. Just go to AIJCast.com. And now back to more of our conversation with Carlos Barbosa. Tell me about the Atlanta scene. We've talked about the two two kind of teams or experiences here. What is it about Atlanta that makes it unique, different, excellent? It is so immensely diverse. Yeah. Uh, I've seen other communities from other places, but Atlanta just has such a depth and mix of people creating art. Yeah. Constantly they intermingle. And so you have people you know people of color you have people of different uh religions yeah. uh you know queer poc and it's just 
so many people coming together to make great art. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest issues Atlanta has with slam teams is that we only have two. <laughs> uh, you have two teams to go off to competitions and then you have another 10, 12 poets who could yeah. easily do the same thing. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I've one of the richest, the, the richness of Atlanta is in that diversity and, and I see it in music and yet you don't have the cross pollination in music in terms of people collaborating together. They tend to be pretty siloed. Like the hip hop crew is, is the hip hop crew and the rock crew is the rock crew. It sounds like the slam world breaks that down a little bit more. Would you say that? or It, it definitely it, does. It definitely yeah. does. Uh, just because spoken word is usually done without music. Mm-hmm. And I think that's usually the barrier. Interesting. Uh, because once you mix the actual, just, you know, the lyrics and the emotions behind it, they're all very similar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so just breaking down, the, it breaks down a lot of barriers. I never thought, so music can become in some ways a cultural barrier in ways that it's not intended to be, but it ends up becoming. Definitely. Yeah. People are so used to the way certain things sound. Uh, and so it's just kind of like easing them into it. Right. Yeah. I think I know a lot of uh, hip hop artists who do spoken word. Yeah. Uh, and so I know people who don't like hip hop who will listen to their spoken word and then slowly start getting into that and into hip hop and more and more through that. Yeah. Yeah. Could you give us a taste of some of your work? Uh, some of my work? Uh, yeah. Of course. Both of my parents are from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that uh, plays into a lot of my writing. Sure. Uh, and just... You know, the identity of what it's like to be a person of color, an immigrant in this mm. country. Mm. Uh, also, you ever think about a relationship with bugs? Uh, no. Although my wife, we jokingly call her the bug lady because she loves bugs. Really? Yeah. I think I think it's very weird. I think sometimes we'll have things like ants yeah. who are in your house. Yeah. We're like, hey, man, I just want these crumbs that you don't want. Yeah. And we're like, hey, no. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's just... We're so quick to treat them very, very poorly. Call the exterminators. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, a lot of times they were in these areas that we have like inhabited, you know. <laughs> hey, man, you built a house on my I mean, anthill. Exactly. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I like to call this one, uh, sometimes you're the chancla, sometimes you're the roach. There's a roach in my house. I'm not sure how it got in, but I know how it'll leave when I put its body in a body bag, then put its body bag in a body bag and drag it out. I'm not a fan of bugs in general. On that, I am not a liar, because I'll be dead before you catch me breaking bread with a spider. And don't get me started, because I will go on a tireless rant about how much I hate scorpions, wasps, centipedes, and ooh, don't even get me started on ants. But I digress. As I sit in my kitchen with my chunkla in one hand and a kind of raid in the other, awaiting this invader's approach... I begin to wonder if there's any nobility in being a roach. I mean, yeah, they're gross. But they are the epitome to resiliency. They constantly strive to stay alive in the same ways that I have scratched and clawed to survive. Maybe we're not so different. Me and my family have also been named invasive species. Labeled unwelcome intruder, renegade vermin, and societal polluter, we have been greeted by the chunk that is mass deportations because we came in search for an end to the starvation we faced in a place we once called home. We came here with our lives in a suitcase to face the unknown, but I digress. There's a roach in my home, and unfortunately it will not leave alive, and while I await this invader's approach, I can't help but wonder why these beings have the ability to fly... Because, literally, the most terrifying moments of my life have been when a roach has taken flight. 
As if it grew wings just out of spite to raise itself up to face me. That's why I think it's crazy that a quick Google search shows you that for most species, only the females can take to the air, which is ironic because nothing gives white Americans a scare like a brown female spreading her wings and taking flight, surpassing all expectations and reaching new heights. So to my dark skins who were bullied and called Roche, don't ever let that thought make you cry because those words were uttered by small minded people who were too afraid to see you fly by those who build pipelines between public schools to prison like roach motels to oppress but again again i digress there's a roach in my residence and i will kill it for fear that it will spread disease and pestilence although maybe that's kind of rude considering his lineage was probably here in this spot long before my family inhabited this patch of earth the irony of colonization dawns on me and now i feel even worse am i just as bad as any colonizer if my home takes over the home of a roach or am i safe in saying i'm beyond reproach probably so I guess, but again, I digress. It's just so hard to digest sharing any similarities to the Spaniards who raided my lands to the point where my native language is not one I understand. My people spoke Nahuatl, not English or Spanish, but the culture has been so irreparably damaged that I may never fully learn it. Español. La espada curvada de la colonización siempre colocada en la perfecta posición sobre mi lengua, sin mi querer hasta que no puedo respirar sin poder rodar mis seres, pero otra vez, I digress, no, 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 I dissect each and every part of me from immigrant to insect, like these accident antenna that give me away on sight, or these vestigial wings that will never take flight, or this Spartan shield carapace given to us by the mothers who took care of us, this pride for our desolate land, lindo y querido, equally as toxic, gave me the sense of Mexican machismo, so now I sit in shock realizing that the differences between us are man-made and that we both live in fear to do different kinds of raid, but I digress. There's another living being in my house. When I spot him again, I trap him in a plastic cup and gently let him out. May he call me Hoover rather than Hernan on this day, and after the night I've had, all I can say is I have a new perspective for my porch as I watch Don approach. And can't help but wonder that sometimes you're the chancla, sometimes you're the roach. <laughs> that's powerful there's just so much to unpack there and i love it man i the first thing that occurs to me is your use of humor in there i mean it's clearly that's part of you yes and it's also very effective in getting to these really pointed apt <laughs> conversations right I think it's definitely uh, essential to uh, part of uh, slam poetry and spoken yeah. word to a certain extent. That little bit of humor is a very easy way to connect with the audience. Sure. Uh, have them let their guard down for that gut punch coming yeah, later, yeah, yeah. you know. And then just, uh, first of all, I mean, the use of raid. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was As soon as you said that different kinds of raid, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And I'm curious about that because, I mean, there's there's just so much there. I'm curious about what first inspired that. Was it literally <laughs> sitting there with a chocolate in your hand? and a... So I, I get my inspiration from a lot of places. Sure. I think, any, I think you can find inspiration in anything. And so there was a point in time where there was a roach in my house mm-hmm. that I could not track down. Uh, but also, I'm a big fan of wrestling. Uh-huh. Uh, and so uh, I was watching some old wrestling video. And they were referring to one guy as like a roach who no matter how much he gets like stomped out, he still manages to come back. And one of the announcers is like, is there any nobility in being a roach? And I'm just like, is there? Uh, And it just it clicked with a lot of things that were going on, especially in the news. Sure. Yeah. Uh, And it just all came together in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I also love in terms of, you know, recognizing how that conversation reveals something about our current political context and white supremacy and its its own cockroach-like resilience yes, in, definitely. in this world. Um, at the same time, you dig into your own history being a person of Mexican descent, which means the descent of colonizers and colonized as well as being an immigrant or the son of immigrants here. It's not straightforward, even though, and all that to come, come on, man. I mean, to come on, (laughs) to come from a roach and a chancla, you know, that's, that's amazing. I love it. I think, I think a lot of these conversations aren't very straightforward. I think there's a lot of stuff that we, um, uh, I think a lot of times people get obsessed with one issue and they kind of, you know, miss the forest for the trees. You know, right. they focus on this one thing and don't really realize how other things are impacted by it. Mm. Uh, and while I do think, you know, these issues are very important and I think, you know, we should learn definitely to treat human lives with respect before mm-hmm. we start moving on to other things. We do also, you know, very much disrespect the life that was here on this planet before yeah. us. And just, uh, I mean, you've seen how many species are going in danger. We're in an ecological crisis Yes, now. definitely. Absolutely, yeah. It's, and it's all connected. Absolutely. And, yeah. and we as we as humans sometimes feel like it's our right. Like right. we are meant to be here. We are owed these things. Right, yeah. Carlos Barbosa on AIJCast. You can find out more about Art Amok and Java Speaks on Facebook and on Instagram. And you can follow Carlos on Instagram at Barbosasaur. That's B-A-R-B-O-Z-A-S-A-U-R. You can find links to all of those on our website and also in the notes for this episode. On our next episode, part two of our conversation with Carlos Barbosa. AIJCast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. We are grateful for the ways that you make our work possible. To find out more, go to our website, AIJCast.com, and click on the link that says support. And we love to interact with you on social media. We are there on a number of platforms where our handle is AIJCast. That's one word, AIJCast. Our theme song is written and recorded by the band Mard Fame. Photography support comes from Ely at eleyphoto.com. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the somewhat calculating Al Mudif. Al has a very special place in his heart for the movie Space Jam. You ever think about a relationship with bugs? And I'm your host, Marthame Sanders, encouraging you to go and create some beauty of your own. Peace! Peace!